It's the Victorian Variety Show. Welcome to another Victorian Variety Show mini-sode. My name is Marissa, and I look at a wide variety of social and cultural phenomena that started in or were featured prominently during the Victorian era and explore why they were so intriguing and, when applicable, how they're still relevant today. I'm planning to return to my usual format next month in February. And for me, my usual format is longer episodes of about 25 to 30 minutes that are more research intensive. But today, I'm going to read you some fairy tales. That's partly because there wasn't as much information available on what I wanted to talk about as I'd have liked, so I'm doing more research. But I'm not too upset about it because, come on, fairy tales. Plus, they're pretty dark. So I think they might give you a good sense of the type of fairy tales that Victorian children might have read or heard read to them. So today's show is inspired by a Facebook post that I came across a few weeks ago that showed an illustration of a dejected looking shackled rabbit being led to his fate. And the reason that I know it was his fate was because of the caption that accompanied it and I apologize if you're a rabbit lover. Quote, bunny on his way to execution, end quote. The poster, Strange Company, kindly informed us that this illustration was taken from a Victorian-era children's book called Rays of Sunshine. And even though the thought of a rabbit being executed personally horrifies me because I am an animal lover, I also thought it ironic that a book with such a sunny title would have an execution in it. So because I'm a fan of irony, I had to check this book out. Fortunately, I was able to find a copy of the book online, and I'm including a link to it in the show notes along with all of the other sources that I consulted. But unfortunately, I was not able to find much information on this book, Other than that, it appears to have been first published in 1893 by Anonymous by a New York publisher called M. Lachlan Brothers. In addition to The Silly Hare, which is the tale that featured the rabbit execution, this collection includes some stories that you're probably familiar with, including the story of the three little pigs, the three bears, and Cinderella. And from my understanding, some of these tales started out as folk or oral tales at least decades, if not centuries, before this book came out. So that might be why Rays of Sunshine is not credited to a named author. And all of these tales are accompanied by chromolithograph illustrations that I think are beautifully done. But unfortunately, I'm not sure who the artist is. If I do find out any more information on this book, I'll give you an update in a future episode because I'm definitely intrigued. But for now, I'm going to read you two of the tales that were featured in Rays of Sunshine. I've decided not to read The Silly Hair for now, mainly because I wasn't able to find any information outside of this collection on that particular tale, but I would like to keep looking for more information on that as well. 
So the first one that I'm going to read in this episode is A Frog He Would A Wooing Go, which according to a post on Mama Lisa's World called A Frog He Would A Wooing Go, Georgie Porgy and the Meaning of Roly Poly, seems to have originated in 16th century Scotland and inspired a number of variations, including Froggy Went A Courtin', he did ride, which seems to be what it's known as here in the States, even though I'd never heard it before. And now, with no further ado, here's a frog he would a wooing go. A frog he would a wooing go, whether his mother would let him or no. So off he set with his opera hat, and on the road he met with a rat. Pray, Mr. Rat, will you go with me, kind Mrs. Mousie, for to see? They soon arrived at Mousie's hall, and gave a loud knock, and gave a loud call. Pray, Mrs. Mouse, are you within? Yes, kind sirs, and sitting to spin. Pray, Mrs. Mouse, now give us some beer, for Froggy and I are fond of good cheer. Pray, Mr. Frog, will you give us a song? But let it be something that's not very long. Indeed, Mrs. Mouse, I shall have to say no. A cold has made me as hoarse as a crow. Since you have caught cold, Mr. Frog, she said, I'll sing you a song that I have just made. But while they were making a merry din, a cat and her kittens came tumbling in. The cat, she seized the rat by the crown. The kittens, they pulled the little mouse down. This put Mr. Frog in a terrible fright. So he took up his hat and he wished them good night. As Froggy was crossing a silvery brook, a lily white duck came and gobbled him up. So this was an end of one, two, three. The rat, the mouse, and Little Froggy. The second one I'm going to read is one that you might have heard of. I have heard of it, but never heard the tale before, at least as far as I can remember. It's called Death and Burial of Cock Robin, which the Public Domain Review describes as a, quote, somewhat macabre English nursery rhyme, end quote, of uncertain origin although the earliest known version dates back to a 1744 collection called Tommy Thumb's Pretty Songbook, and some believe might date back to the 15th century due to a stained glass window depicting a robin felled by an arrow that was found at Buckland Rectory in Gloucestershire. And according to Wikipedia, versions of this story appear in Germany and other countries. So on that note, Here is Death and Burial of Cock Robin. Who killed Cock Robin? I, said the sparrow, with my bow and arrow, I killed Cock Robin. Who saw him die? I, said the fly, with my little eye, I saw him die. Who caught his blood? I, said the fish, with my little dish, I caught his blood. 
who will dig his grave. I, said the owl, with my spade and shovel, I'll dig his grave. Who will be the parson? I, said the rook, with my little book, I'll be the parson. Who will be the clerk? I, said the lark, if it's not in the dark, I'll be the clerk. Who will carry the torch? I, said the linnet, I'll fetch it in a minute. I'll carry the torch. Who will carry him to the grave? I, said the kite, if it's not in the night, I'll carry him to the grave. Who will sing a psalm? I, said the thrush, as she sat in a bush, I'll sing a psalm. Who will be chief mourner? I, said the dove, for I mourn for my love, I'll be chief mourner. Who will toll the bell? I, said the bull, because I can pull, I'll toll the bell. All the birds of the air fell a sighing and sobbing when they heard the bell toll for poor Cock Robin. As I was pouring through rays of sunshine, I thought a lot about fairy tales and how they've evolved over time. Although it seems that back in the day, a bit of the macabre was important in helping drive the point home, the tales I heard growing up don't seem quite as dark, at least as far as I can remember, as some of the ones in this collection. I don't have kids, so I don't know how popular any or any of these tales or versions of them are today, but if you can fill me in, or if any of the tales in Rays of Sunshine had a profound effect on you when you were growing up, I would love to hear about it. Email me at the Victorian Variety Show at gmail.com or leave me a voice message at anchor.fm slash marissa hyphen d96 slash message. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash victorianvariety1. And if you'd like to support the show financially, there are a few ways you can do that. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash marissadf13 or leave a donation if you're listening on the Good Pods app or on my Linktree page. And finally, I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, Podchaser, Audible, or wherever you listen, as that will help this podcast reach more listeners. Thank you so much for listening and for all of your support of the show. I hope you liked my reading of these two tales from Rays of Sunshine, and I hope you're inspired to think of why fairy tales are so important and how we as adults might benefit from revisiting them every now and again. I also hope you'll join me in two weeks for a brand new episode, but for now, I'm going to leave you with a paragraph on the morality of fairy tales that was written by the English writer and critic G.K. Chesterton. This excerpt appears in a post from P.J. Mantle called Fairy Tales by G.K. Chesterton, 
and it looks like it originally appeared in a 1915 book from Chesterton called All Things Considered. I like this quote because I think it points out how deeply rooted fairy tales are in our psyche, despite the fact that they often rely on the fantastical rather than the rational, and that, as a result, maybe dismissing fairy tales as not rational might be unwise. This is the profound morality of fairy tales, which, so far from being lawless, go to the root of all law. Instead of finding, like common books of ethics, a rationalistic basis for each commandment, they find the great mystical basis for all commandments. We are in this fairyland on sufferance, it is not for us to quarrel with the conditions under which we enjoy this wild vision of the world. The vetoes are indeed extraordinary, but then so are the concessions. The idea of property, the idea of someone else's apples is a rum idea, but then the idea of there being any apples is a rum idea. It is strange and weird that I cannot, with safety, drink ten bottles of champagne. But then, the champagne itself is strange and weird, if you come to that. If I have drunk of the fairy's drink, it is but just I should drink by the fairy's rules. We may not see the direct logical connection between three beautiful silver spoons and a large, ugly policeman. But then, who in fairy tales ever could see the direct logical connection between three bears and a giant, or between a rose and a roaring beast? Not only can these fairy tales be enjoyed because they are moral, but morality can be enjoyed because it puts us in fairyland, in a world at once of wonder and of war.